A wag once said that there are two types of people in the world. Those who wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Lord. And those who wake up in the morning and say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> which camp are you in? Better yet, if you're married, which camp would your wife or husband say that you are in? Perspective has a great deal to say to how we look at life. Maybe you heard of the story of the two people, or three people who came before the Grand Canyon. It was the first time they had seen it. There was an artist, there was a pastor, and there was a cowboy. The artist looked out over the vista before him and said, what a great scene to paint. The pastor looked out and said, I see God's magnificent hand in creation. The cowboy rubbed his chin and said, what a place to lose a cow. Perspective has a great deal to say about how we view life. And as we together are going to tackle the topic of looking at the end of human history as we know it, as we look at the consummation of human history, as we look at the return of the Lord, your view of whether you are pessimistic or optimistic relates to how you're going to interpret this passage. There is, there is much uh, interest today in our society concerning the end of the age, and that's why we have all these catastrophic films, or we have scientists, for example, who will predict the end of the human race unless we solve the global warming problem. And so we're going to look at the passage, the clearest passage, I think, in Scripture, where Jesus talks about what the age is going to be like prior to his return. And so I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew, the 24th chapter. We're going to be looking at detail at this verse. There's two ways of looking at this. If, you're, if you are by nature pessimistic, you might look at this passage and say that the, the light of the gospel is almost going to be extinguished before the Lord returns. That the persecutions become so violent and so vibrant that the, the gospel itself will almost be blown out. On the other hand, you may be optimistic and you may say, well, that's certainly part of the case, but talk to me about church growth and how the gospel is penetrating society and doing away with injustice and the gospel being preached throughout the world. Christ, in this passage, paints for us a view of the world prior to his return that's not totally on the pessimistic camp, but neither totally on the optimistic camp. So let's look at this passage together, Matthew 24. As we walk into the chapter, Jesus and his disciples have been to the magnificent temple, Solomon's temple. Beautiful edifice, gigantic. And the disciples have commented on that. And Jesus, in verse 2, says this back to them. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth. Not one stone here will be left upon another. Every one will be thrown down. The disciples proceed out of the temple area, across the valley, and on to what is known as the Mount of Olives. And the disciples, probably perplexed about this prophecy of the tearing down of the temple, they come to him and, and they say in verse 2, as Jesus was sitting in the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, as we look at this passage, it is helpful for us to remember that Jesus is using here what theologians call apocalyptic language. 
Now, apocalyptic language is not chronological per se, as we are used to in the Western world looking at things chronologically. So when Jesus talks about this, he's talking about things that are going to happen immediately, but also he's making reference to things that are going to happen way in the distant future. And so when he talks about the tearing down of the, of the walls, uh, the stones of the, the great temple, Jesus is undoubtedly referring to that which is going to take place within 40 years of this prophecy. For a Roman general named Titus is going to besiege Jerusalem. And they're going to overcome the defenders. And they're going to literally tear down the wall. It's going to be totally destroyed. And Jesus is undoubtedly referring to that. But he's also talking about the consummation of human history. And Jesus, speaking of the end times gives us three things. He says, first of all, there will be treachery in our people outside the church. Secondly, there will be traitors within the church. And thirdly, there will be false prophets that will assail the church. So first, Jesus says, there will be upheaval outside the church, verses 6, six through 8. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of birth pains. Even as we speak these words, as Jesus speaks these words, there's been a long period of kind of Roman peace in the Roman Empire. But within 40 years... There's going to be four different emperors in a space of one year that will demand allegiance by the, by the Roman authorities, will declare that they are the new emperor. And so Jesus talks about the turmoil that's going to take place. If you look at the history of Christianity, you will find over and over again people who have looked at events around them. And they've equated it to the earthquakes and the fires and the famines that Jesus talks about here. And they've said that the return of the Lord is not only imminent, but that it's immediate. And the problem is we're saying that you know the date and you know immediately when the Lord is going to return is that when it doesn't turn out, and often and it has not turned out yet, that the scoffers look at the prophet and say he's a false prophet, but they also look at the, at the Bible and the return of the Lord and they say, well, none of that's going to happen. It's all wishful thinking. And so when you hear that person who says, I got it figured out, this is the timeline, this is when he's going to return, I think we need to turn to Matthew, the 24th chapter, the 36th verse, where Jesus says, no one knows the day nor the hour, not even the angels in heaven, not the Son, but only the Father. But there will be treachery, upheaval outside of the church. But Jesus says, secondly, that there will be Great traitors within the churches, verses 9 and 10. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Jesus says that as the persecution intensifies, there will be many people who will turn away from the Lord and will deny their faith. And why would they do that? Because the nations hate them, Jesus says. And they hate them because of who Jesus is. 
the world is not a friend of the church. Especially when the church is the conscience of the world. Confession is good for the soul and bad for the reputation. So I want to confess to you that there are times when I don't like to tell people that don't know me well that I'm a pastor. And the reason I, I say that, the reason I give you that confession, is not that I want to deny my profession or deny my calling or to say I'm not a Christ follower, but to be honest with you, I want to be like everyone else. I mean, I drive the Merritt Parkway like you do. And there are times when, when I want to be mean like everyone else seems to be mean. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't want that ichthaw, that little fish on the back of my car. Because that means I, I, I'm a Christ follower. At least that's the symbol that I'm a Christ follower. And I, I want to return some of their gestures. In my, in my own evil nature. You know, I don't want to let that third person cut in in front of me. I want to tailgate. I want to go fast. I have a friend who says that there are two types of drivers in Connecticut. The quick and the dead. <laughs> and I want to be part of the quick. But then the Holy Spirit speaks to my conscience. It says, Larry, you can't be like everyone else. I have called you to be different. I have called you to be compassionate. I've called you to be understanding. And at the end of the age, there will be nations, people outside the church that will look upon us if we have a conscience and hate us, Jesus says, because of Christ. Treachery outside the church, traitors within the church, and false prophets who assail the church. Verse 4. Watch that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Verse 11. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. One of the great difficulties at the end of the age, Jesus says, is that in the midst of the persecution, false prophets will rise, giving false hope, and people will flock to them. Joseph Carlyle says that there are three kinds of lies. A lie told, a lie taught, and a lie lived out. And that's what the false prophet does. He or she tells a lie. They believe a lie. They try to live that lie out, and people will flock to them. This new Messiah. And what's the result of all these events? The treachery in the church? The false teachers? The false messiahs, verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Notice what Jesus says there. He doesn't say the love of the majority will grow cold. He says the love of most will grow cold. Let me see if I can read your mind right now. If you hearken back to where I started, I talked about being an optimist or a pessimist. And if you kind of follow along what Jesus has talked about here, you have to say, well, Larry must be a pessimist concerning the end of the, end of the age, that the light of the gospel is almost going to be blown out. But Jesus gives us three 